today we move on to the last part of chapter six. We're going to skip for the moment the Lord's Prayer section because we're coming back to that in two weeks where we're going to take an in-depth look at each part, each phrase in the Lord's Prayer and make sure that we dive deep into these phrases, into these ideas that we have been praying every Sunday for as long as we have been worshiping in almost any congregation in the world, I believe. But we're going to continue on with chapter 6 and finish out the last two sections over the next two weeks. So this week we're looking at chapter 6, 19 through 24, which is where Jesus tells us that we should not store up treasures on earth, but instead store up treasures in heaven. Which means that I get to preach on every preacher's very favorite topic, money. Now we've worked through some challenging passages together. Challenging because they've been difficult to understand. Thick theological, deep theological ideas that need uh, reframing, rediscussing, re-educating ourselves of some of the things that are in it. We've wrestled with some of these things where we don't have a clear answer, where we don't always know what it is Paul is wanting us to do, or Jesus, or who it is that the God who acts in that situation may be. We struggle with things that are deep and challenging ideas that we don't know if we can understand. Today we're going to challenge ourselves in a different way. We're going to struggle a little bit in a different way. And that's talking about money and stuff. There's almost no way to talk about money and stuff without stepping on some toes, without making each one of us question our life choices. And one of the big things that I try to do as a minister and as a preacher is to not tell you how to live your life. In the end, I believe that it's my job to tell you the principles, the ideas, the perspectives that maybe you hadn't thought about before so that you can apply it to whatever your life situation is that you ultimately are the one who makes the choices. I've had people ask me about whether the church will judge them for one thing or another. Is the church going to judge me because I'm doing this? Or is the church going to judge me because I'm doing that? Is God going to judge me for doing this? Is God going to judge me for doing that? And I almost always say, I don't care about that. I don't care about whatever baggage it is that you think that you have, that you are carrying around. I don't care about that. I'm here to love you and accept you as you are and love you hopefully into a better version of yourself. But ultimately those are your choices and it's between you and God. Your life choices are between you and God, not between you and me. I'm not here to judge you. In fact, almost everything I'm going to talk about today, I'm guilty of as well. Not guilty of. They're choices that I've made as well and consequences that I've had to live with just like you. And so I want to start off by saying I'm not here sitting in the judgment seat. Your life choices are between you and God. I think the reason this is so touchy is that our stuff and our money is so personal. There are things we're not supposed to talk about in polite company. Now I've never lived in this world because 
Now, I don't carry the baggage that many other people do around people knowing how much money they make. I know in some companies it's a policy, it's a rule that you're not allowed to share what your compensation package is. But for my entire adult life, as long as I've ever had um, a full-time salary, my uh, income, my salary, my compensation has been voted on by a group of people. It's been published on a piece of paper, passed around, and people have been allowed to pass judgment on the quality of my work and the, therefore the money that I deserve or should be paid. So I don't carry that baggage because my, my salary has always been public. But we have in our culture this idea that the amount of money that you bring home, the amount of salary that you get, equals your value as a human being. That you are more valuable if you make more money. And I think we all learned during the pandemic that the people who are the most valuable, the people who bring the most value often to our society, are not the ones making the most money, but the ones who are standing in the front lines for us. The nurses and the doctors and the teachers and the grocery store worker who makes $15 an hour stocking your shelf, giving you items that are essential to your life. And so the first thing we have to do is detach this idea that the value of money is equal to your value as a human being. The amount of money you make, the amount of money in your bank account does not make you a more important or more valuable person or any less valuable or less important in God's eyes than anyone else. Jesus tells us in this passage that the most important thing about us, the greatest value that we can bring into the world is how much we follow and try to be like Jesus. That the way to store up treasure is in relationships. The way to store up treasure is in the things that we do. The way that we behave. The legacy that we leave. When it comes to our final days, the last thing people are going to say about us doesn't have anything to do with the amount of money in our bank account. Or the amount of money we leave to our heirs. The things people are going to talk about at the end of our time is our kindness, our generosity of spirit, our humor, our love of family, love of one another, love of God, our service to the world, the way we cared for the least of these, the orphan, the widow, the poor and the destitute, the homeless, and the people who believe that they are less valuable. Well, that is not to say that it isn't important for you to have a retirement account. It's not to say that it's not important for you to have a savings account, that you should have an emergency savings account. We go again to the idea. And so the danger of stuff and the danger of money and our obsession with money and with stuff is the way that it distracts us from the things that will actually bring us the most value in our lives. You should have a budget. <laughs> you should. You should know where your money is going and you should be intentional about the use of it. And there's no way for me to say that without that sounding like a lecture. But I promise you will have more peace in your life if you use some discretion. If you use a budget, if you know where your money is going and have an emergency account, savings account, I promise that will bring you peace. 
There's just no way for me to say that without telling you that how to live your life. The problem with stuff and with treasure and with a large bank account and the pursuit of a large bank account for the sake of it is the way that it distracts us from the things that will bring us real value and real treasure in this life and in the life to come. We too often are distracted by our things. I was introduced last week to the concept of the invisible to-do list. The invisible to-do list, we all have, I hope, most of us probably have an actual to-do list where we keep a written or text version of the things that we need to do in order to get our life done. You know, go to the grocery store, wash your clothes, you know, put your shoes away, that kind of thing. But I've been thinking lately about how many things that require our attention live in our lives outside of the necessities that we need to live. And how many times I have to tell my kids to pick up things, pick up your shoes, pick up your toys, pick up your stuff, pick up your blanket, pick up your pillow, make sure your room is clean. I spend all my life telling my kids how to manage their stuff. As soon as they come home from school, the first thing that I say to them is, put your school stuff away. Put your backpack up, put your lunchbox away, put your shoes in your bin. It's almost never, hello, I'm so glad that you're home. I'm so glad to see you. I'm so glad that you're here. It's always stuff management. And so this is where the idea of the invisible to-do list comes into play. The idea here is that everything that we own, everything that we possess, everything that lives in our space, in our house, in our work environment, in our cars, wherever we are, is giving us a message. It's telling us to do something with it. And so your chair might be saying, sit down and put your feet up. Or it might be telling you, to get out the vacuum cleaner and clean all the cat hair off of it. Your dishes are telling you to wash them and put them away. Every dish you have tells you that. Your car tells you to throw the trash away. Maybe throw away that McDonald's bag that's been living in the front passenger seat of your car. Your car tells you to fill it up with gas. Your car tells you to check the oil and get it maintained. Your bedroom tells you to make your sheet, make your bed and put your sheets back every morning. Your closet tells you to hang your clothes up and put your shoes away, to do laundry, to make sure you have enough clean clothes and the right kind of clean clothes. Your bags tell you to hang them up in the closet or set them in the closet or put them away or do something with them. The things in your stuff tells you to put them away. You find a bag and you dig through it and realize that something in there was really important and you should have done it three months ago. And so now you have a to-do list both of doing the thing you should have done three months ago and feeling guilty about it and apologizing or doing whatever it is you need to do to make up for the fact that you didn't do the thing you did needed to do three months ago. Our stuff tells us what to do with our lives. It tells us how we fill our days. It tells us what our time looks like. And there's just no getting around that. 
If you have things, if you have possessions, you have to take care of them. You have to maintain them. You have to spend time on them. And so the more things that we have, the more things that we want, the more time that we spend pursuing stuff, the less time we have for other things. The less time we have for family fun. If we spend three hours every Saturday cleaning up the mess of all of our stuff, then we don't have the time to spend those three hours doing something meaningful together as a family. If we spend our time polishing and waxing and cleaning up after ourselves, then we don't have time to spend in service to others, in service to God. This invisible to-do list tells us how to live our life. It tells us who we are as people. And it can and does affect the way we see the world. If we have a mountain of stuff, it causes us anxiety. It does, even if you're a slob and you don't really care. And so the challenge Jesus has for us today the challenge Jesus has for us most days is are we putting our attention, our valuable time, our limited time in the places that really matter? Are we putting our energy, our limited store of energy into maintaining a, my, a pile of things that we don't really like that much? Or maybe we used to like, but they no longer represent us as we are today, the person we are today. Are we carrying other people's legacies, other people's idea of who we should be, and letting that influence the baggage of things, actual physical things we carry around in our world? Are we letting an image of a person who we think we should be define how we gather use and spend our money. And so in the end, it's not about the physical object or the amount of dollars in your bank account or whether you even have a bank account. In the end, it's about where our attention lies. And are we allowing things, that invisible to-do list, the baggage of other people's expectations, the pictures in the magazines define who we are and tell us whether we are worthy or not, valuable or not, important or not, based on an external definition of other people's opinions, of a life and a lifestyle that may not bring us value or joy or hope, a lifestyle and a life which does not allow us to have the experiences which bring us true value and joy and hope. I don't know about you, but I don't want to spend all Saturday cleaning up my house. I want to stop telling my kids to pick up their stuff all the time because they have so much stuff they can't keep track of it. I'm going to stop telling my kids they're valuable based on what kind of gifts they get for their birthday. And I want to tell you that too.
your stuff does not define who you are unless you allow it to. Your value is not defined by how much money you have. It's defined by how you use it. Your value is not defined by somebody else's yardstick. It's okay. It's okay to live with less if that brings you more time to spend with your family and with others to pursue the things of God. It's okay to live with less. It's okay to do less. If that gives you more time to do what it is that you really want, that God really wants for you to do. Maybe God is calling you to spend that time, that energy, that Saturday, doing a litter pickup on the side of the highway. Maybe God is calling you to service at 5th Street, serving the less fortunate and the unhoused. Maybe God is calling you to spend that time in the afternoon tutoring those who need a little help, who need an extra hand getting ahead and learning their maths and their grammar so that they too can succeed. Is your stuff and the pursuit of it keeping you from being the person God is calling you to be? In the end, that's going to look different for each of us. The amount of money and stuff we need to feel secure enough to reach out to others, it's going to feel different for each of us. But I can tell you at the end of things, at the end of days, at the end of your life, what you're going to look around on and remember is not the knickknack or that really cool candle holder or all the stuff. You don't want to spend your last days inventorying or trying to get rid of things. You want to spend your last day. You want to spend your life creating and making memories, spreading love and joy. That, in the end, is the treasure that we seek. Amen. Amen.